Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti along with Andy Shea. Andy... Full disclosure for our listeners, we're recording early Friday morning after a late Thursday night watching the game. And as we talked about before we got started here off the air, not a lot of sleep for either one of us, but we were treated to a very exciting game, were we not? Yeah, it, uh, across the board for the entertainment factor for a uh, first game of the season, I don't know that it gets much better than that. I mean, both teams had their moments where they they were in control. There were seven lead changes. Um, you know, it, they went back and forth. Momentum flipped. It was, you know, injuries, different quarterbacks, guy, you know, pick sixes, a guy throwing up on the sidelines after the pick six. It was. It was that kind of game. I think Clifford got hurt and went out, and you thought, is this Iowa last year again? No, it ended up being Trace McSorley in Iowa. When they you know, went down, I forget which year it was, where Trace took them down the field at Iowa, and they won the football game with the touchdown pass to Juwan Johnson, which I believe that was his only career touchdown reception at Penn State, by the way. But it was a massively entertaining football game. And if you wanted to see a lot of guys play for Penn State and a Penn State fan, you got your wish because Penn State played a ton of dudes. They really did. And I think I read somewhere uh, 23 players on defense. If you think about it, that that's beyond your two deep. But in the second series, Jimmy, they had seven new guys in the game. By my count, I was watching from the guys that started and, and flipping. They had six or seven new guys on the second series. They had almost an entire new defensive line, uh, different linebackers. They had they had rotated at the – they already had Johnny Dixon in the game at corner. They played a ton of guys, and they have it. We talked about last week, they have nine guys in the secondary that you would be comfortable playing, right? We're like, you could play those guys. They played them, and they all kind of contributed in many different ways. You know, Wheatley with uh, the strip on the fumble that Joey Porter recovered. Fantastic play by a, uh, a safety shooting up in there on the run. You know, how good was Daquan Hardy all night, especially in the second half when the game got a little squirrely? Just, you know, Keaton Ellis is a starting safety. That's all I'm going to say. He jumped out in the game last night on his performance from beginning to end. They just have so much depth. They're going to use it, and it was fun to watch. It was a fun game, but most conversations are going to start with the quarterbacks, Andy. Sure. Already, I, overnight, where we get our questions that come in for T. Frank or Ross, they came pouring in, most of them about uh, – um, Sean Clifford, most of them were the anti-Sean Clifford crowd. Uh, one take from our listeners just simply said, Clifford, he sucks. Now, here's the problem I have with these declarations of Clifford. If you look at it, 
as unbiased as possible, or even just look at the box score this morning, he completed a higher percentage of passes than O'Connell did. He had a higher quarterback rating. He didn't throw as many passes. He also had multiple drops. And he engineered the game-winning drive where he completed six out of seven passes. Not to make up for the fact that the interception was just a god-awful pass along with a few other mistakes he made. What, what was your take on Clifford's performance? Something happened to him, and it wasn't the knee, right? That I, I think he got, I think he was sick. I think he was well, throwing they, up. He, he was called cramping, is yeah, what think, uh, uh, James Franklin said. I think he had body cramps, and that is difficult because that comes out of both. That you got it north and south when that when that impacts you. He had something that affected him, but he didn't look the same when he came back on the field. But eventually, I mean. Come on, Jimmy. That's his signature moment as a quarterback. No matter what happens the rest of the season, game on the line, six of seven, 72 yards, touchdown pass, executed it like a surgeon. You can't run a two-minute drive better than that from the quarterback position than what he did. They converted on fourth down with a short pass. (coughs) Excuse me. That was stone-cold experience paying off in spades in a big moment on the road in a game that Purdue had. Purdue had that football game won twice. Penn State's defense go twice. They got the ball back for their offense in the last five minutes when Purdue could have ended the game right there with a couple more first downs. Or maybe the first time they had it, they could have at least tried to run the ball once Um, because they ran the ball efficiently for their offense. But they were too ignorantly arrogant and just, you know, were like, we're just going to throw the ball down the field with that lead instead of managing the game. And Penn State's defense, I told you, Jimmy, they're going to come up with some kind of stop or turnover late in this game that's going to make a difference and have an impact. And they absolutely did. They did it not once but twice. But I thought Clifford, the, the mistake was, the mistake makes you drop your the, – the pick six makes you drop your head and go, that just shouldn't happen. But I think that's just part of what you have to take with Sean Clifford. Overall, he was the better quarterback. He threw, he threw four touchdown passes. Aiden O'Connell threw one touchdown pass. That's a difference maker. They're both experienced. They're both, you know, 24 years old and six-year seniors. But the quarterback who was better overall, despite the making the bigger mistake, was the one who took his team down the field and won the football game in a game that was 50-50. And actually, Purdue had a probably an 80 to 90% chance of winning with five minutes to go. I agree. That's the point. And going back to what you said about playing so many players, Penn State won the fourth quarter. Their defense came up big. Obviously, the offense did too with that last drive. How much of that is because they had a fresher team because they played so many folks? Anyway, let me um, get to, while we're talking quarterbacks, Drew Aller was thrown into the fire. Candidly, this was my big concern, throwing in the inexperienced guy on the road, Big Ten, tough game. 
Drew Aller, they needed him. He went out there for a series. What did you think? He can spin it. We all know that. He completed two of his passes. He should have, on third down, he should have run it. He'll go back and watch the film and be like, ah, so that when, when the when the linebacker runs away and everyone's taking the crossing routes and running with their guy, because they were all basically covered, I'm, I need to tuck the ball and take off and see that. That's a like a freshman learning curve moment, but the stage didn't look too big for him. He knew how he made his checks. He, he was looking to the sideline. It's not like they called the play and just walked up and snapped. He was making the reads, pointing out check. It was one series, but I think it was good for him to get into a game. And, you know, at some point this season, they are going to need him. I mean, just the way Sean plays, I mean, that was a dirty hit that he took to his knee, but he's just going to get banged up because that's just part of his quarterback DNA. And, you know, the kid's huge. I mean, he's six foot five, 240 pounds. He stands out on the field, even on the television. So if you're a Penn State fan, you just got a little sample of it, but you had to like it. And it was obvious the moment was not too big for him. Just the body language. And uh, he's uh, Tyler Warren should be apologizing to him also. That was a wonderful pass that he laid in there for Warren, who, who, who just could not hold on to it. All right, Andy, let's get to the running game. Uh, more things change, the more they stay the same. In some ways, it looked an awful lot like last year, did it not? Yeah, it's it's still bad. It's, th- it's 3.1 yards per carry. They stayed committed to it. Um, the offense was almost mind-numbingly um, predictable slash boring. And I'm not saying from the jump, because in the beginning of the game, you're looking to sort of establish some things, but they clearly were very committed to trying to run the ball. Um, I, I, I saw late in the game they went under center for a snap with Sean Clifford. I mean, I think with Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, I think those backs need a little bit of juice to get to the line. I think the shotgun hurts them a little bit, but the bottom line was as the game went on, and they became more predictable. Even when Purdue ha- kind of had the lead a little bit there, early, you know, late third, early into the fourth quarter, and it was still a tight game, Purdue knew what Penn State was going to do, and they were loading the box up to stop the run. So it got worse as the game went on, only because the defense kind of knew what was coming. They had a little bit of success early, but they're still not they're still not run blocking consistently well. And I don't think the running backs are finding much space at the second level. I think Penn State had one carry that went for like 10 yards or more or something like that. They didn't have any breakout runs. There were little seams and Purdue tackled really well all game and was taking those away. But yes, is it, is it still a problem? Absolutely. It's still a problem. In the modern college game with all the space on the field, 3.1 yards per carry is a losing offensive proposition. Just to clarify, Purdue may have tackled well at the line of scrimmage. However, their tackling left a lot to be desired in their defensive backfield after there were multiple times when Penn State made big plays. If you're looking at it from Purdue's perspective, they miss tackles. Their secondary missed tackles. Are you ready for the number, Jimmy? I got it for you. 
Penn State had 193 yards after the catch. Penn State's receivers, tight ends, I include the tight ends because Brenton Strange had that long one. 193 yards after the catch. That's some wide receivers doing some good stuff. And Purdue did not tackle well in space at the final level at all, but in the in the box in the front seven inside of 10 yards. They against the run game, they tackled well. But 193 yards after the catch is a huge number for Penn State. It was a difference maker. If I'm watching that game from a Purdue perspective, that would be probably the most upsetting part of it for me. It it turns into you miss uh, tackles in the defensive backfield. You're creating big plays. That's what they did. Andy, that's it for quarter number one. Stick around. We've got a lot more Penn State-Purdue to talk about. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, Local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pre-game tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number two. I'm Jim Galanti along with Andy Shea talking about those Penn State Nittany Lions who won their first game on the road against Purdue. It is those 1-0 Nittany Lions who will be coming home to Happy Valley next week for their first home game. That means not only time for football, but also time for tailgating. And no better way than with GoPSURV.com. This is where you drive your car to Happy Valley 
got an RV set up and ready for you for the weekend. You get to tailgate all weekend. And this year, Keystone Sports Network, we're teaming up with GoPSURV.com to offer a really special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for multiple games this season. And you'll get $500 off your RV for that game you choose to go to. All you need to do is call Mark at 800-519-8467. Tell him you want the KSN RV special. It's a great time there, Andy. You know what? I think I may even drop by there this coming weekend. If you decide to go, let me know. I'm going to come by and say hello. All right, Andy, we're talking Penn State football, Penn State-Purdue. A big win for the Nittany Lions. Four-point win, which importantly means they covered the spread. For those of us, or I mean those who choose to wager on the game and took the Nittany Lions, you were a winner. That was me, Andy, by the way. Did you take the over as well? No, I didn't because I'll tell you what. My predicted score, I didn't think about the over-under. I had a predicted score, and it would have been under. And when I looked at the over-under, I was like, "Eh, I don't really think it'll be that low scoring. So I I let that go, but I did take the Nittany Lions. Full disclosure, my prediction was a 14-point win, and... I'll be mad at uh, Sean Clifford because of that interception. He probably kept it from being more like my game prediction if he hadn't thrown that terrible interception. Uh, When we finished up quarter number one, Andy, we were talking a bit about the running game. So when you talk running game, you got to talk about the offensive line. I'd like to get your take on it. They didn't provide any big holes for the running game, which – I think may also have something to do with the uh, play calling with the running game. I'm not sure they called, other than that uh, uh, jet sweep, I'm not sure they called anything outside the tackles. But they only allowed one sack in the passing game. So what was your take on the offensive line? How would you grade them out? So I'd give them a, if you're asking me grade them out, I'd give them a C minus. Um, They're, their stunt pickup was okay. Their run blocking was still um, not not straight on physical enough. I think some guys struggled. I think uh, Fasanu was fine at left tackle. I thought he had the strongest game. Him and Juice Scruggs had the strongest games overall on the offensive line. Caden Wallace struggled. He struggled early. He struggled often, and actually in the fourth quarter, he was out. Bryce Efner replaced him at right tackle. Keep an eye on that. Um, I think they're going. I think they're rotating the guards. Um, you know, you saw Hunter Norzad. He came in for Landon Tangwell. I think it was in the second quarter. By the second quarter, he was in, and then later in the game, Tangwell was at left guard and Norzad was at right guard, spelling Sal Wormley. So I think they were rotating the guards. Um, I think the guards, all three of them. I think the guards need to be better. I just really do. I think the guards are hurting a little, this offense a little bit. Cade Wallace was not good at all, and that was a real problem. But he's he's just struggling. I mean, when you get pulled in the fourth quarter of the first game and you're a starter at right tackle with experience, eh, that is a bad sign. So I'd give him a C- only because they just didn't 
create any clean, you know, four to five yard holes for their running backs on any consistent basis. So, I mean, Clifford stepped up in the pocket a couple times. He stepped away from pressure a couple times. They they brought four most of the night. Purdue's coverage gave Penn State trouble all night because they were rushing four, which isn't that difficult, and they were dropping and making it very difficult for Penn State receivers and Penn State's you know passing game to get guys open because they were dropping so many guys in in all the lanes and playing like a a quarter zone coverage. It was a it was a really good defense that gave Penn State trouble. Uh, not a good defense in terms of their personnel, but it was a scheme that gave Penn State trouble because they were able to do what they wanted to do in the running game and slow it down. And and they were able to get what they needed with just bringing four guys, and that's a problem. Yes, they obviously had some issues. I also wanted to ask you about the play calling with the running game. I, I had two issues, one which I had mentioned it seemed like every running play was essentially the same right up the middle between the tackles and Purdue now knew what was coming from the running game. But the other thing was how they called runs versus passes early in the game. It looked like they were trying to force the running game. They were uh, calling runs no matter what early we are going to establish the run that seemed like the mindset when I always feel like sometimes you need to pass the ball on first down just to let the defense know that you're willing to do that. They did it like very sparingly in the first half they passed on first down, but here was the thing partly. Yeah. You and I were talking about it during the game. Partly that was dictated by the game never got away from Penn state. So they never really had to, they never had to chase hard until later in the game in the second half um, in the late stages. But they never had to ch- chase the game really hard, basically, through three quarters. So they didn't have to deviate from what they were trying to do. Although it seemed like the running game got worse as the game went on, only because the defense knew what was coming and adjusted. It wasn't very imaginative. I think they're trying to establish the running game with the three running backs because they're so diverse and talented they're trying to help the offensive line by running fewer plays and trying to see if they can block something well in the run game to establish anything and they can't they can't like get the one or two or three plays that you're like okay these are our go-tos they kept going to them and they kept being sort of you know mediocre in terms of the production value of it, but they had the luxury of the game of not having to, you know, throw it 55 times or 60 times in a game because it never got away from them. Thank the defense for that one. Well, I disagree with that theory of, gee, we're going to establish the run. If you're going to have an offensive line that can't open the holes, like the, the struggles that this offensive line has had, How about throwing the ball, which will help the running game then going forward? Speaking of the running game, uh, Andy, I did want to ask you, what did you think of, now this is a couple years in a row they're doing this, with the rotation of the running backs. They bring a guy in and he stays for that entire possession. He's the back. And they had three guys and that's how they were rotating them. Yeah, they stuck to that three-guy rotation, like one, two, three, one, two, three. They stuck to that right to the very end. They didn't 
they didn't deviate from that one little bit. I mean, I think I think you're going to see that going forward until it's going to be like 2019 till somebody emerges from the pack. And, and I'm just not talking a carrier to. It's a little bit tough on the backs because they're they're not in there consistently. It's hard to get a little bit of a rhythm, but there's so much talent at that position and they and no one has sort of you know exerted himself even after this game that you're just going to have to be patient with it. It will come if you remember in 19 it was like you know five or six games they started to separate themselves and Noah Kane sort of separated himself middle to you know later stages of the season so he got hurt. Then Journey Brown separated himself. These guys are good enough that that'll kind of happen just because of their talent. But I think you're going to have to get used to the three back rotation unless somebody absolutely starts going bonkers inside a game in the first month. Andy, you're going to be with us these first two segments. I don't want to have you leave before I at least ask you one question about the defense, and I'll make it the general question. Manny Diaz, his first uh, game as the defensive coordinator, what did you think of his scheme? What did you think of his play calling? Just give me the overview. I like his blitz calls. I like how he mixed and matched his players, especially in the secondary. Um, I think they struggled across the middle of the field. The crossing routes in the pass game, that never went away for Purdue. That was kind of always an option for Purdue. Even late when Penn State got the two stops defensively, they were they were part and parcel due to exotic blitzes that Manny Diaz called and put it together. I, I think personnel-wise, he got an A+. I think adjustment-wise, he got a B. But I think in terms of the defense – Across the middle, that big hole has to be addressed. That's partly due to the linebackers. They didn't get a ton of pressure, but Aiden O'Connell gets the ball out of his hands lightning quick. That's not ex- they didn't. That's not a surprise at all, but I thought consistently there was enough of a pass rush that impacted the pocket. Not sacking, but impacted the pocket, and I thought that was well. And the bottom line is Joey Porter's a stud. Eight tackles, three or four pass breakups. The safeties are flying all over the field, all three of them. They're going three to four deep in corners. Daquan Hardy is – I mean, Marquise Wilson was out there third, fourth quarter. You saw him consistently. They're going to use all their guys. I mean, Daquan Hardy's just ridiculously good at making plays and doing his job as sort of that nickel guy. They've got a lot going on. they got a lot of work to do at linebacker, a little bit of work to do up front, and their secondary is just – really really good and don't forget last thing about the defense they did not all Purdue needed was basically two first downs to win that game twice twice Purdue needed two first downs to win the football game they had it and Penn State's defense said no not on our watch and on the flip side Sean Clifford said not only am I going to get a first down I'm going to take us all the way down the field and score a touchdown no doubt again Penn State showed themselves well at the finish of the game couple quick notes before I let you go, Andy. We're not going to have our Ask Ross segment today. Ross is going to be off during the season, but we will still do our Ask segment, so send in your questions. We'll get back to it next week. Just so much to talk about with the game Thursday night. We had to go over that today. Please keep sending in your questions. Andy would love to handle them. Maybe it'll be Ask Andy now during the season. But stick around. 
in place of Ross Tucker, we're going to have Chris Bucanani in for our next two segments. Stick around for that. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pregame tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. I'm Jim Galanti. With me is our very special guest, Mr. Chris Bucanani co-host of the obligatory pre-game show also going to introduce and we'll talk about this a little bit later chris the blue and white players show i'm really excited about that like i said we'll talk about it a little bit a win's a win right absolutely we all feel better to be here talking about a win today jim this is going to be a little bit of a weird experience for you right like you are uh in the middle of your broadcast week and you're breaking down the game not from the weekend but from basically midweek yes my schedule and i'm not good with change okay chris i am not good at all with change so for those of our listeners who are expecting ross tucker ross his schedule so hectic so busy during the season now we're recording this friday morning Last night, while we were all watching the Penn State-Purdue game, Ross was actually calling another game. So to expect Ross to be back around and able to talk Penn State game is a little too much. We'll have Ross dropping in during the season, but just a little more sporadically. We're just so fortunate to have someone like Chris ready to step (laughs) into those 
ready to step into those big shoes. So, so this is like Jeopardy. You're ready for We're just going to have the rotating guest panelists. I'm first up. Let me tell you, though, Jim, to pivot into the football conversation, I am super envious of Ross because he gets to enjoy the fact that Penn State won the game, watched the clips of the final drive on YouTube, and didn't have to suffer through the misery of the four hours of getting there in real time. So Ross is the winner. Oh, man, that that was rugged last night. <laughs> and you alluded to it. Four hours. How in the world does a college football game that used to just fit into a three-hour time slot now take four hours to play? And of all the games to do it, folks, we are old, most of us out here, okay? We've got <laughs> jobs. We, we do not have the biological clock that turns us into night owls. That was, that was rough. That was rough at the end there. And then, of course, you get that big adrenaline shot right at the end, and I was up for like two or three hours after it was over. At least we got the payoff at the end. Now, I don't want to repeat everything that I asked Andy Shea sure. earlier in our first two segments, but I do have to ask you about the the Sean Clifford performance. Mm-hmm. I've been getting, as you know, we get our Ask T. Frank and our Ask Ross questions where our listeners could interface with us. Several of the listeners, they, they have my phone number, so I was getting texts overnight. All right, Chris, like 3, 4, 5 a.m. And most of them were so critical of Sean Clifford. My question to you is, is that a fair assessment of Clifford? Probably not, at least not in totality. But look, one thing I will say is that when you step into the shoes of the starting quarterback of a big-time college football program, you have to be prepared mentally for the fact that you are opting into the spotlight, right? I always said, like, if you run for political office, you understand that every detail of your life is about to be picked through and painted in the worst possible way in 30-second television commercials by your opponent. That's something you are opting into. It's necessarily part of it. And I think at this point, Sean's gone through the cycle enough times that he probably understands that. So I, I get the fans' frustration, and familiarity breeds contempt. I thought Joel uh, Joel Clad had a really good observation on the broadcast last night, which is that if you are a multi-year starting quarterback in college football, you have a fraught relationship with the fan base because because it means you've been good enough to keep starting and not good enough to go to the NFL necessarily. So I mean that to me summed it up. But I get the frustration around the, the total bonehead mistake of throwing that pick. I mean, it's, it's, it's inexplicable. But at the same time, five TDs. I, exactly. I, I really think you got to look at the total picture. I, I am definitely, I think, more to the warmer, more positive side on Clifford. I, I'll freely admit where his limitations are. But I don't think – I mean, I, I, I am not one of the people who sent T. Frank a question saying, is it time to start Drew Aller? I didn't – it's not fair to just annihilate him for that interception, which was awful. But terrible. Which, I mean, an inexcusable mistake for any quarterback, but for a guy in his position to make, like there's just no excuse to be made for it. There's no sugarcoating it. Just an absolute backbreaker that could have, you know, could have changed the entire season potentially given the import of that first game. But with that said – 
you still have to point out game-winning drive, all the pressure in the world on him. As you said, this was a season-shaping game. I look at it when I make my prediction for the season, Chris. Here are the wins. Here are the losses, and you've got two or three games that are going to determine whether you're a seven-win team or a ten-win team. And guess what? By beating Purdue, Penn State just went one and zero in one of those three games that I'll you know put out the questions for. While we're talking quarterbacks, Drew Aller got one series. My take on it was the moment was not too big for him. What did you see? I think you said it exactly right. That was the first thing that struck me, especially after we all still have a little Iowa game PTSD from seeing the massive drop-off from Clifford to his backup. Seeing Drew Aller on the road in a situation where he didn't know how long he was going to have to play in the game. It was his first collegiate snaps. He's a true freshman. And the fact that he didn't shrink from the moment at all, he went out there, he looked calm, he executed the offense. It gives me a ton of confidence not just about that kid's future, which I think we're all very bullish on, but just on knowing that now you also have Christian Veyer, who is a kid who went in and played meaningful snaps and won a football game last year for Penn State. You have real depth behind Sean Clifford at the quarterback spot. And after we already saw him get dinged up in two different ways last night, and we saw what losing him did to derail the 2021 season, that's another positive takeaway for me from from Penn State and there there are plenty of of negative takeaways that one drive washed away the the raw memory of a lot of things the Nittany Lions did poorly inadequately mistakes that were made recurring issues that have been season to season to season problems that don't seem to have been corrected or improved upon in the way that we hope they would I, I I still I mean I still don't know based on the totality of what I saw against Purdue that I feel any different about picking them to finish seven and five this year. It's uh, again, not sure how much we did learn last night about the team, but one and O is better than O and one. I'd like to cherry pick a few different plays and happenings from the game with you, Chris, because I'm, sure. I'm dying to get your take. One of them was the targeting call. And I always say that's a penalty the punishment does not fit the crime, and especially on that particular play. What did you take away from that? Again, I think you nailed it. I thought James said it well in his post-game press conference. He said to the assembled press corps there, I challenge you to go home and try to just try to get your body that low and see what happens with your neck and your head. At some point or another, if you're trying to get in there and make the play on the ball carrier, there's only so many things. Your head is attached to your neck and and, and your torso. You know what I mean? It's it's a tough, tough call for Abdul to have to take. By the way, I I thought it another very encouraging sign that they were ready to put Abdul Carter out there in the first quarter. I think it was on the third defensive series, right? Yes, it was very early on. Yeah, that validates everything we had heard about him in camp and and what people expected of him when he committed to Penn State. But, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a good call. Uh, The announcers said that. Pretty much everybody agreed on that. But on the other hand, that's – I mean, them's the breaks. Like, there are going to be moments like that in college football targeting call now. So 
it goes back to the point of needing to have your next man up mentality and, and, and adjust, right? Like, Penn, unfortunately, Penn State does not have a ton of depth in the linebacking core, but as kind of everything, the theme of the day, Jim, is if my grandma had wheels, she'd be a wagon. I, you know, a lot, a lot of things could have gone wrong if one more thing would have tipped into the negative column for the Nittany Lions. You and I would be a lot saltier. Salty Jim would be out today, but they didn't, and we're not, and we're one to know. So there's plenty of bad to not be papered over and needs to be talked about. But again, James said it right. Feels a hell of a lot better to be talking about it at one to know. Exactly, and the issue I had with that uh, targeting call also was it was a forward pass. There was no doubt it was, but these officials now swallow their whistle when there's any possibility that it's a backward pass, meaning it's a fumble, so they'd rather wait. They did not blow their whistle, which created this uh, issue where the defender and the offensive player are now scrambling for the ball. If they would have correctly blown their whistle, Abdul Carter stops what he's doing, but they didn't blow the whistle when they should have promptly. So I think and, that you know, was Interestingly, part of it. I was flipping back and forth. There were a couple of instances in the Pitt-West Virginia game that were relatively simul- similar where you had incidental uh, helmet-to-helmet contact that did not end up getting called targeting. So that's a- another problem, the ambiguity and the inconsistency of it. But you just you got to be prepared. It's going to happen two or three times a season most likely. Exactly. Now, you talked about there are still issues from, you know, even go back a year where we see it over and over again. The running game, again, I'm not sure if I'm more frustrated by the fact that they averaged, what, 3.1 yards per carry, or it seemed like the coaching staff was so intent in establishing the run that they forgot about winning the game and moving the ball down the field. I saw that criticism. I don't necessarily agree with it as much personally because I believe at some point or another we got to start running the ball. And this is this is a great uh, coach speak line. You can't run the ball if you don't run the ball. You, <laughs> you know you know what I'm saying. So like I thought there were at least some f- flashes, especially from the true freshman, that maybe gives me like a scintilla of hope. But overall, the performance was well below what I was expecting and and hoping for and is going to have to get a heck of a lot better quickly. I have an issue with just when they were calling it. I would have preferred, hey, how about passing the ball on first down, putting them in a position of second and short, then maybe run the ball where it's not so obvious, hey, we're going to run the ball right up the middle on first down and do that over and over again, which seemed to be the case quite a bit during this game. Chris, that's it for quarter number three. Stick around. we got a lot more in quarter number four. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. 
featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno. This beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pregame tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. It's the fourth quarter. With me, our very special guest, Chris Bucanani. Chris, before we get started, our good buddies at New Trail, guess what? They are just this week releasing their whiteout beer just in time for the season to start. Guess what I am going to be serving at my tailgate next week, Chris? Can you guess? I can guess. Yes, Jim. You're, you're going to go right out of the You're not even going to wait for the whiteout weather. You're going to go right to the whiteout beer. Is that right? I am. I am. I'm going right to it, right to the whiteout beer. Opening day, kind of get things geared up for October. We're going to start opening day with the whiteout. You can do the same. Just stop at WR Hickey when you're in Happy Valley next week. They will be stocked up. Chris, I know you're a fan of everything New Trail. I am indeed. You got to try the whiteout beer. Maybe I'll drop some off for you so you could enjoy it at your tailgate also. How's that? I think, Jim, that you and I are going to have something in common because we are going to be enjoying the whiteout beer even before tailgating starts because it's going to be our feature Nutriol beer this week on the obligatory PSU pregame show. So we are definitely going to get to taste and try it. And I am 100% confident it's going to be great. That's just uh, par for the course with Nutriol. So, uh, you know, Jim, if I can digress for just a moment to talk a very important tailgating strategy as we're all getting back into it. If you are like my tailgate group, which spends some of the time out there in the field with some drinking games, you got to be thoughtful about this. You got to separate <laughs> your beers. You got to have your drinking beer and your drinking game beer. Okay. Now, I'm not going to mention any other brands or make any other commentary on quality, but if you're doing like the flip cup or the beer pong or whatever, a lot of that beer gets spilled on the table. So you might want to look a little lower on the shelf space, maybe. But I, I, I think for sure for the Ohio game, we're going to have a, a, a lot of broken heels for our drinking beer. And we'll ease our Very way nice. into the whiteout. 
it, and Broken Hills, that's another new trail beer. Amazing. Uh, before we get back to the game, real quick also, I wanted to, while I have you, Chris, yes, Monday night is the first Blue and White player show that you're going to be hosting. Tell me about it and where people could access it. Who, What players are going to be on this week? Absolutely. So everybody understands the revolution sweeping through college athletics, the ability to compensate players for their name, image, and likeness. Everybody calls it NIL. And at Penn State and here in Happy Valley, we put our heads together and we thought, man, what we ought to do is we ought to kind of follow the model of what James and, and the basketball coaches and the assistants have been doing for a long time with the coaches show. Let's give the players their own platform and for the first time give fans an opportunity to really get to know these guys and get, let them tell the story of their own season in their own words. And this ought to be a really interesting start to it. So that's what we're doing with the Blue and White Players Show. We're going to do it every Monday, which is the off day for the guys on the team. It's going to be live at 6 p.m. Eastern time from Champs Downtown, and you can watch it. Uh, it's a live stream on all the social channels of statecollege.com and Onward State. You can listen to it as a podcast the following uh, Tuesday morning. You can access it right here on the Keystone Sports Network feed. So Get the Keystone Kickoff Show and the Players Show wherever you get your podcasts. And it's, it's, it's going to be great. It's going to be a one-hour show. I'll be hosting it, just making sure, you know, all the trains run on time. But my co-hosts are going to be Keith Goon Conlon, who was an offensive lineman here in the mid-'90s, starting swing tackle on the undefeated Rose Bowl team, 94. Aeneas Hawkins, who is a defensive tackle who just medically retired from the team uh, this spring. And our tagline for the show is old school, new school, same school and that's the theme of what we're doing we're going to let these guys interact with some of the players and they can really give you a different perspective on the experience of college football in general and penn state football in particular and we're really excited to start it off with two guys who i think are going to have a lot to say about the journey this program has taken in pj mustafer and nick tarburton so that'll be 6 p.m this monday live on the social feeds of statecollege.com and Onward State. And then on the obligatory PSU pregame show on the weekend, we'll have some highlights from that and also a little exclusive content talking about the upcoming game with the players we have on each week's show. And, of course, you can catch obligatory uh, all over the television dial, AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh, NBC Sports Philly, WHVL here locally in Happy Valley, Masson down in the DMV, and Nesson up in the New England area. So check your listings. You can get it online at statecollege.com, all good stuff. Very good, and the player show, if all goes well, we'll have that live streaming on the app to look for that button show. A lot of technical moving parts, so <laughs> if it doesn't work in the app week one, by week two we'll get it figured out, folks. Exactly. All right, let's get back to Penn State, Purdue, let's do Chris. It. Um, with Andy, I talked a lot about the offense and what was going on there. With you, I want to focus a little bit on the defense and what we saw it was a big test being on the road against a team like Purdue. Very explosive um, offense. What's your take on how they performed? I know some folks I saw were already saying, oh, you know, Purdue sliced and diced them. But then if you look at the box score, uh, O'Connell, who's a 70% completion guy, only completed 50% of his passes. And when things really got to the nitty-gritty in the fourth quarter, 
This they Penn State plays. defense came up big. Yeah, those last few possessions, they looked like the 2021 defense, did they not? Uh, it was very reminiscent of that team. And I, I thought very reminiscent of the plays that won the Wisconsin game, the road opener last year. I guess, uh, to, so to start with the good, I thought that over the course of the game, the hype for the secondary to me felt justified. I thought that there were a lot of big plays made by multiple guys. Uh, Kalen King and Johnny Dixon and, of course, Joey Porter Jr., who is going to get thrown at a lot because teams know that for all the things he does well, he can get a little handsy. And they are very, very quick on the trigger with the P.I. flags anymore in football. So I thought those guys played well. I, I thought the safeties made plays a little disappointing with all the emphasis Manny Diaz puts on getting your hands on interceptions that you saw at least two, probably three times, picks that should have been made and all three of them end up hitting the, the grass. But better than, a com- better than a completion, just like that win was better than a loss, right? If my grandma had wheels, <laughs> she'd be a wagon. And, you know, I, I, that was one of my first takeaways. I was a little disappointed at – the lack of disruption from the defensive line. They didn't play overall quite as well as I expected. I think the pass rush, you know, as I thought about it, and Franklin even mentioned this in his post-game comments, the way Purdue's offense is structured to get the ball out quickly, and O'Connell is very good at that, it's tough to get sacks on them. So I, I am not, you know, I was going to say pulling my hair out, but if, if anybody doesn't know, I'm bald. I figuratively pulling my hair out over the lack of sacks, especially, man, after the last drive Chop Robinson had. I know everyone's going to focus on the hit he had to end the game, but even when Penn State was not bringing pressure, he was absolutely destroying dudes at the line of scrimmage on every single snap of Purdue's last gasp offensive drive, and he's the kid, right? We are really hoping that he is going to be a difference maker through the transfer portal. And I thought we saw flashes of that when it mattered most. The interior of the line and their ability to shut down the Purdue run game was kind of the place where where I was disappointed. I thought that Hakeem Beeman definitely looked like someone who has not played meaningful football in, in well over a year. But again, I think as the game went on, he started to show some flashes. And of course, the linebacking core is going to be what it is. Uh, I, I, I was terrified when... Curtis Jacobs hit the turf. So thankfully, he was able to come right back into the game. But it did give you a preview into, man, what happens if we can't keep that guy healthy? Um, again, it's, 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 it's going to be a learning experience, and we're going to build the race car as we drive it down the tracks at the linebacker spot. And it's hard to say how things would have looked differently if they could have played a whole game with Abdul Carter in the rotation. Overall, I saw enough to feel like I think the defense is going to be pretty good I'm not yet ready to say I'm confident they'll get back up to the standards of great that they played at through the majority of last season but as I again as I'm having a little time to process that whole thing I'm feeling overall more positive than negative about the defense you pretty much am in line with what you had to say I'm also was hopeful that with Manny Diaz there I know that O'Connell gets the ball out quickly. That's the design of Purdue's offense. I was hoping to see something from Manny Diaz's side to create havoc in the backfield. 
like the one play where we got Johnny Dixon coming off a corner and getting the sack. Yeah. Now, he he did a great job on his own in avoiding the blocker and making and getting the tackle of the quarterback, but I was hoping to see more of that throughout the game. And again, you could also look at that and say, well, you know, this Purdue offense is designed to get the ball out quickly and to avoid that. And and, and Aiden O'Connell is quarterback. built to execute that offense. His skill set fits hand in glove with what Jeff Brom likes to do philosophically with his offensive schemes. And I think, Jim, you actually saw several moments last night when Manny Diaz's defensive philosophy did show itself and did work because there were plays where Penn State brought pressure or fooled uh, Aiden O'Connell into believing they were going to bring more guys than they did. So he maybe only had four rushers, but in his head he saw five or six. And it made him get the ball out too quickly or he he didn't plant his feet or he wasn't as accurate with his throws, as he mentioned. You talked about how he was below his completion percentage. And Penn State fans are just going to have to get used to that. Through our whole lives – we have watched a, 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 a one defensive scheme after another that has trended a little bit more towards the conservative side, and Manny Diaz's view of it is, I am just going to keep doing this, and I am going to believe in what we're doing over the course of the game. We're going to get in the quarterback's head, and we're going to make him make mistakes. They might not result in turnovers always, but it might stop this team from moving the sticks. It might change field position, and I do think that manifested itself a few times already last night. And real quick, mentioning turnovers, a lot of people, whenever there's a fumble, people want to talk about the guy who recovers the fumble. How about the guy who caused the fumble, Chris? I think that guy has superpowers. I think Zaki Wheatley, from everything we've heard about him, just has some sort of supernatural talent for forcing turnovers. So for him to do it in the first game of the season last night is very encouraging for what we're going to see from him over his, over his career. And what a huge play it was. You went from potentially Purdue going in to score to Penn State getting the ball back, scoring a touchdown before the end of the first half. All right, that is it for the show. Thanks so much, Chris, for filling in, and thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. 
It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSURV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSURV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pre-game tailgate all the way through the victory celebration.